Section six of Heroines Every Child Should Know. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Natalie Paula. Heroines Every Child Should Know, edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe and Kate Stevens. Joan of Arc, Part Two. On Thursday, April twenty eighth, the relieving army set out from Bois the priests going before and singing the veni creator round their banner of the cross joan wished to march along the north bank of the loire and through the line of the english forts her voices she said had told her that the convoy would pass them without hurt but the captains who had little faith in her revelations preferred keeping the river between themselves and the chief bastille of the enemy they had orders however to obey the maid so to avoid contradicting her they misled her as to the position of orleans crossing the bridge at blois they advanced by the south bank of the stream when night came the army encamped on the plain and joan who lay down in her armor arose bruised and weary for the next day's march but all her fatigue was forgotten when she saw how she had been deceived dunois with a following of knights and citizens came up the river to welcome the convoy and when he approached joan she asked him are you the bastard of orleans yes he replied and i am glad of your coming and did you advise that i should be brought by this side of the river and not straight to the english he answered that it was so he and the council having judged it safest in god's name she said my lord's counsel is safer and wiser than yours you thought to deceive me but you have deceived yourselves for i bring you the best help that ever knight or city had for it is god's help not sent for love of me but by god's pleasure at eight that evening she entered orleans riding a white horse her standard carried before her the people thronged to meet her wild with joy as if she had been an angel of god they felt comforted and as it were disbesieged by the divine virtue that there was said to be in that simple maid they crowded so upon her that one of their torches set fire to the border of her standard and when she bent forward and crushed out the flame the little brave action seemed a miracle to the excited multitude after returning thanks to god in the cathedral rode to the house of jacques boucher treasurer of the duke of orleans and was hospitably received by his wife and his young daughter charlotte whom she took to share her chamber during her stay in the city the next sunday may first dunois went to fetch the army from blois the maid rode with him a little way and he and his following passed unmolested by the english forts the days of its absence were spent by joan making friends with the citizens in attending mass and riding out to reconnoitre the enemy's siege works the enthusiastic people followed her everywhere fearing nothing so long as they were near her on tuesday some reinforcements arrived and the news came that the army was on its way this time they took the northern side of the river and on may fourth joan went a league out of the city to meet them the whole army passed the line of forts and entered orleans the besiegers made no sign and it is not wonderful that the english soldiers seeing the strange apathy of their leaders believed joan to be a witch whose arts it would be useless to resist the same day towards evening she lay down to rest but suddenly she started up and called her squire saying my counsel tells me to go against the english while he was arming her she heard voices in the street shouting that the french were suffering loss she rushed out and meeting her page on the way ah graceless boy she exclaimed you never told me the blood of france was being spilt her hostess finished arming her then she sprang upon her horse took her standard which the page handed her out of a window and galloped to the eastern gate her horse's hoofs striking sparks as she passed for the first time she now saw real war and her courage did not fail 
Standing at the edge of the fosse, she urged her men on to the assault. This first success, moderate in itself, was of immense value to the national party, for it restored to the French that faith in themselves of which the long series of their defeats had almost deprived them, and their reverse had as great an effect upon the English. Their failure appeared to them to be of the natural course of events, a wicked miracle, a thing brought about by sorcery. The brave yeomen of Henry V were learning to fear. On Friday, May 6, Joan and about 3,000 men crossed to an island in the Loire, passed from it to the shore by an extempore bridge of two boats, and planted her standard before the rampart of the Augustans. But her troops had not all crossed from Orleans, and those who were with her, seeing that the English were coming to reinforce their fellows, were seized with fear and hurried back to the boats. The garrison rushed out and pursued the fugitives with jeers and insults. The defeat of the French appeared certain, but Joan, who had been trying to cover the retreat, faced around, and with a small brave company charged the pursuers. The panic was on their side now. They saw the Witch of France riding down upon them, her charmed standard flying, her eyes flashing with terrible wrath, and they turned and fled before her. Once more she planted her flag before the rampart, and this time she was well supported. The Bastille was taken after an obstinate defence, and to prevent riot and pillage she ordered it to be set on fire. She would gladly have stayed with her soldiers who were left that night to be ready for the next day's assault, but the chief, seeing that she was very weary, persuaded her to return with them into Orleans. They had another reason for parting her from the troops. While she was resting they held a council, and agreed not to renew the attack on the morrow but recalled their troops into the city, which was now well victualated, and there to await reinforcements. A knight was sent to tell her of their overcautious decision. God had already done much to help them. Now they would wait? Wait? How Joan must have hated that word. You have been in your council, she said, and I have been in mine. Be sure that God's counsel will hold good and come to pass, and that all other counsels shall perish. Then she turned to Pascorel, who was standing near her. "'Rise early to-morrow,' she said, "'and keep near me all day, for I shall have much to do, and blood shall flow above my breast.' She rose at dawn, and after hearing Mass, started for the assault. Her host urged her to take food before going. A shad was being got ready, he told her. "'Keep it till evening,' she said gaily. "'I will come back over the bridge.' If the French fought for the deliverance of Orleans and the kingdoms, the English were defending their ancient glory and their own lives. The fort once taken, there would be small chance of escape for any of its garrison. Under cannon fire and through flights of arrows, the assailants leaped into the fosse and swarmed up the escarpment, as if they believed themselves immortal.' The English met them at the top. Again and again they were driven back, and again and again the maid cheered them on, crying, Fear not! The place is yours! At last, as if to force victory, she sprang into the fosse, and was setting a scaling ladder against the wall, when an arrow pierced her between the neck and shoulder. She was carried to a place of shelter, weeping for pain and fright, but her strong courage soon reasserted itself. She drew out the arrow with her own hand, and had the wound dressed with oil, forbidding the men-at-arms to charm it, as they, in their superstitious kindness, wanted to do. She then confessed herself, and so hastened back to the rampart. There was no success yet for the French, and the captains came to Joan, telling her they intended to retire and suspend the attack till the next day. She besought them to persevere. She tried to break their resolve with brave words, and she went to Denois with prayers and promises. In God's name you shall enter shortly. Doubt not, and the English shall have no more power over you. 
her entreaties prevailed then she ordered the men to rest a while eat and drink and when they had done so bade them renew the attack in god's name she mounted her horse again and rode to a vineyard a little way off where out of the turmoil of battle she prayed a few minutes on her return she stationed herself near the rampart holding her standard watch until my banner touches the fort she said to the gentleman who stood near presently the wind caught it and blew against the wall it touches joan it touches exclaimed the gentleman she cried to the troops go in now it's all yours by evening joan re-entered orleans where she and her men were received with great joy all the bells of the city ringing out the news of victory the maid's wound was dressed carefully and after her usual supper of bread and a little wine and water she lay down to sleep very early next morning those watching in orleans saw the english quit their bastille and set themselves before the walls in order of battle the alarm was given and the french led by joan came out of the city ranged themselves in front of their enemies while armies stood face to face as if it were waiting for a signal to begin a fight joan had a camp altar brought and the priest said mass then she asked are the faces of the english toward us or their backs she was told that they were retreating and at that moment flames shot up from some of the forts which they had set on fire in god's name said joan let them go my lord does not choose that we shall fight to-day you shall have them another time crowds rushed out from orleans to destroy the unburnt bastille and drag back stores and, and cannon the english had been obliged to leave but soon the excitement of the victory gave way to the enthusiasm of thankfulness a few days ago the city had been surrounded by enemies threatened with the sword more than threatened by famine but in one marvellous week god and the maid had delivered it now let her who had led the people to victory lead them also to give thanks they thronged after her they followed her from church to church praising god and the saints god and the maid before the rescued altars night fell on the rejoicing and early next morning the maid left them eager to rejoin the king and render an account of her success her time for rest was not yet she had as yet only given the signal promised to the doctors of poitiers only begun the great work she was sent to do scholars high in place great in learning paid their tribute of praise but the common people were her most eager admirers and lovers during her journey from orleans to tours they crowded about her, trying to touch her hands, her dress, the trappings of her horse, even stooping down to kiss the hoof-prints of her horse on the road. Charles had come to meet her at Tours. When she knelt before him, he took off his cap as to a queen, raised her, and seemed as if he would gladly have kissed her for the joy he had. He would have ennobled her at once, and he desired her to take for her arms the lilies of France, with a royal crown and a sword drawn to defend it empty honours and easy-lipped gratitude were at her service but she who had only one noble ambition cared nothing for them she wanted but one boon from the king ready action now was the time to go to reims while the english were weakened and disheartened let the king come she would conduct him there safely and without hindrance but let him come at once for she had much to do and little time wherein to do it make use of me she pleaded for i shall last only one year her bold proposal amazed charles and his council go to riem to a city held by the english through the country guarded by hostile troops the king half persuaded agreed to go but not until the english had been driven from the loire 
the captains declared that it would be unwise to march northward while the southern provinces remained so exposed to the enemy and joan whose good sense equalled her courage deferred to their judgment an army was assembled and put under the command of duke alencon but the king required him to do nothing without the maid's advice while she was near charles and her brave words were in his ears he almost believed her on the ninth of june just a month after her departure from orleans joan returned there with her army during the campaign she made the city her headquarters to the delight of its people who could not have enough of gazing at her on the eleventh she led the troops against jargot a strong town bravely defended but the assailants had the advantage of numbers and once their fears were forgotten went boldly to the attack joan and the duke commanders though they were went down into the fosse like the rest and the maid was climbing a scaling ladder when a stone hurled from the rampart struck her to the earth but she was up in a moment shouting friends friends go on our lord has condemned the english they are ours be of good courage the men swarmed over the walls and the place was taken the more important captives were sent down the loire to orleans where joan and alencon returned the day after their victory soon after near patay they came upon the english who had been warned of their approach and were getting ready for battle the duke asked joan what was to be done have you good spurs she inquired what exclaimed some who stood by should we turn our backs not so in god's name she answered the english shall do that they will be beaten and you will want your spurs to pursue them some of the chiefs hung back in god's name we must fight them she cried though they were hung to the clouds we should have them to-day the king shall have the greatest victory he has won for long my counsel tells me they are ours in slain and prisoners the english lost nearly three thousand men joan was very indignant at the cruelty of the victors seeing one of them strike down a wounded prisoner she sprang from her horse raised the poor soldier in her arms and held him thus while he confessed to a priest whom she had sent for tenderly comforting him until he died it was always so with her before and during the fight she was the stern champion of france but when it was over she became again a pitying woman weeping for her dead enemies and praying for their souls now joan held her rightful place in the army every true and honest man believed in her even those who had doubted her at orleans confessed now not only her goodness and courage but also the instinctive military skill she had shown both in sieges and in the field soldiers and leaders were alike eager to follow her to Rheims, with nothing to consult in combat but their frank likes and dislikes her task would have been an easy one but to do her voice's bidding she had to hew or wind her way through the intrigues of a court charles demurred at going to Rheims at all he hated trouble and his life in the south had been pleasant enough all joan's victories had as yet done him no substantial good he was as poor as ever and the excited men who flocked to the maid's banner were to him objects less of pride than of distrust the maid foreseeing more delays sick at heart of his apathy could not control her tears and he bewildered by the grief he could not understand spoke to her kindly paid her many compliments and advised her to take some rest still weeping she besought him to have faith promising that he should recover his kingdom and be crowned before long on friday june twenty fourth she brought the army of loire to Gien, whence she sent a letter to the loyal city of tournay telling his people of their late successes and praying them to come to the coronation two days after her arrival at Gien, the justly impatient girl quitted the town with some of her troops and encamped in the fields beyond it 
her persistence carried the day on the twenty ninth the king and an army of twelve thousand men set out for Reims. on july fifth it reached troyes joan had written to the citizens inquiring them to receive the king and charles also bade them surrender promising them amnesty in easy terms but the place was well garrisoned and they determined to resist a council was held and nearly all who were at it advised returning southward but among those faint hearts was one man who believed in joan the old chancellor and he spoke boldly for her when the king undertook this journey he did it not because of the great might of the men-at-arms nor because of the great wealth he had nor because the journey seemed possible to him but because joan told him to go forward and be crowned at riem such being the good pleasure of god while he was yet speaking joan herself knocked at the door she was let in and the archbishop told her the cause of the debate she turned to the king will you believe me she asked speak he replied and if you speak reasonably and profitably we will gladly believe you will you believe me she said again yes repeated charles according to what you say that cold answer might well have checked her but she spoke on gracious king of france if you will remain before your city of troyes it shall be yours within three days by force or by love doubt it not we would wait six if we could be sure of having it said the archbishop doubt not she insisted you shall have it to-morrow it was then evening but she at once mounted her horse and began preparations for assault her energy cheered the soldiers who were weary of inaction they dragged the cannons into position and brought bundles of wood doors furniture everything they could lay their hands on to fill up a fosse they worked far into the night leaders pages men-at-arms alike joan directing them better than two of the best captains could have done through the night there was great excitement within troyes the people had heard of orleans and jargot they could see and hear joan's preparations at last they asked loudly why they french by birth should risk their city and their lives for england a council was held and the heads of the garrison and the city agreed to surrender early next morning just as joan was giving the signal for the assault the city gates were opened the next day sunday the king entered the town in state attended by joan and his nobles they left troyes and approaching chalon on the fifteenth and at some distance from the town where they met a number of citizens who had come to offer their submission at chalon joan had the great joy of meeting friends from domremy she asked them many questions about her home and they looked with wonder at the girl who lived familiarly with princes and yet spoke and behaved as simply as she had ever done in the days of her obscurity one of them inquired whether she feared nothing nothing but treachery was her foreboding answer when the people of riem heard that chaton had submitted and that charles was within four leagues they sent deputies to tender their obedience and that same day saturday july sixteenth charles entered the city preparations were made at once for his coronation and early next morning four nobles went to the abbey of st Remy to escort thence the ampulla containing the sacred oil which a dove had brought from heaven to the saint the abbot in full canonicals carried it to the cathedral where the archbishop of riem received it from him and set it on the high altar below the altar stood dauphin attended by the nobles and clergy who acted as proxies for the peers of france who should have been with him by his side was joan holding her sacred banner the ceremony was performed according to the ancient rites and when it was over joan knelt at the feet of charles her king indeed now crowned and anointed gracious king she said now is fulfilled with the pleasure of god whose will it was that you should come to riem to receive your worthy coronation 
showing that you are the true king to whom the kingdom should belong as she spoke she wept and all who were in the church wept for sympathy among those who witnessed her triumph was her father who had come to riem to see her the good man was honorably treated and the corporation of the town paid his expenses and when he returned to domremy he gave him a horse for the journey after his coronation when charles was bestowing honors and rewards on his followers joan asked him for one favor which he granted readily freedom from taxation for her native domremy and the adjoining village of Gru. for herself she wanted nothing except what she already had claimed and failed to receive what the king never gave her his trust she had given the king to france now she had to give france to her king she longed to be again at work every day of waiting was a day of pain to her and now that her king was crowned she would have him pressed forward to paris defy the english and start the disloyal french into loyalty but the evil advice of his courtiers and his own indolence made him catch at every excuse for delay during the north wind march of the army people from every place on the road crowded to welcome joan and the king crying noel noel and singing to jim before them joan was first they were glad to have a french king again but their chief love and enthusiasm were for her the heroic girl in shining armor with her calm face and gentle voice the common folk called her the angelic they sang songs about her images of her were put up in little country churches the special collect was set at mass thanking god for her having saved france medals were struck in her honor and worn as amulets the people pressed about her horse and kissed her hands and feet she was often vexed by this excess of homage which brought upon her the displeasure of many churchmen near crespy as she riding between dunois and reginaud de chartres passed through the welcoming crowd she said what good people i have yet seen none so joyful at the coming of their prince may i be so happy as to die and be buried in this land oh joan said the archbishop in what place do you expect to die wherever it shall please god she answered for i know not the place nor the hour any more than yourself would to god that i might return now and lay down my arms and go back to serve my parents and guard their flocks with my sister and brothers who would be right glad to see me she must have often longed for home but never except this once did she express her longing she had a rare reticence for one so young and simple she spoke little and showed a marvellous prudence in her words joan greatly desired the king's arrival before paris believing that his mere presence would make its gates fly open like the house of riems and soissons the king's folly and not the ill-will of his favourites were not joan's only troubles the army before paris was not like that chosen army she had led to orleans a company of men confessed penitent who for the time seemed purified from evil desires and followed her as to a holy war such a state of things fair to the eye but born only of the froth and ecstasy of religion could not last as the maid in her young confidence perhaps expected she had now to grieve because of her soldiers habits of blasphemy and pillage End of section six.